This is the Remote Work Life Business Spotlight, where I highlight top remote business innovators and share personal and career development tips to help you navigate the world of remote work. I'm your host, Alex Wilson-Campbell. I help remote work managers, professionals and freelancers overcome isolation and uncertainty in their life to get hired and fulfil their career goals. Hey everybody, it's Alex from the Remote Work Life Podcast. I hope you're doing well, wherever you may be. Today, yet another great guest. I've got to, with me uh, Nicholas Dawn. Nicholas is the founder and CEO of the review and approval software Scale-Up File Stage. They're located in Stuttgart in Germany. He's got his master's degree in electronic media and has specialised in media and web technologies. His company, File Stage, is the category leader for approval workflow software. And FileStage is a 100% remote company, as you'd expect on the podcast, and is used by customers, some big names here, like Sharp, Lufthansa, Braun, and just to name a few there. So, Nicholas, I just wanted to say thank you so much today for for joining me on the uh, Remote Work Life podcast, and you're very welcome to be here. Thanks a lot for your invitation. I really, really enjoy uh, to be here. Thank you. Not a problem, not a problem at all. And as I always do, uh, what I like to do on the podcast is to really get to understand you, to understand a bit about your journey, a bit about uh, what's behind uh, you wanting to start up, uh, not just Fast Stage, but obviously we talk a lot about uh, remote work, remote culture on the podcast. I also want to know your why behind that. So let's start by... Well, in fact, let's start by you telling us a bit more about FileStage from your own perspective and what that's all about and how you're helping some of these great businesses. Yeah, um, super happy, of course, to, to tell you a bit more about that. So, yeah, I'm CEO, co-founder here. We started FileStage in 2015. Back then, we were just like three founders. And you have to know, I used to work in marketing. My co-founder used to work in the the advertising creative industry, produced a lot of video content. And one of the big issues we we faced back then is that we produced produced those those campaigns where you were like, say, okay, I'm really proud of this new content piece. I have this video and now it's really nice. I just want to publish it. And then the biggest problem was basically you had to go through a review and approval process with all kinds of different stakeholders, with your clients, but then maybe also legal department wanted to see stuff before you could finally publish it. And it was, it was honestly a nightmare. You spend hours like in email ping pongs and unnecessary meetings. And by the end of the week, you were like, mm, actually, I want to be creative. I want to produce my campaigns and not spend so much time with, with this feedback process thing. And we all said, okay, uh, can't continue like that why isn't there a software tool we're all let's say pretty much workflow workflow people we love workflows we love things that flow really smoothly but we also think if if you haven't if you don't have a good workflow and communication it will lead to frustration in your teams it will lead to frustration in your organization and that's why we started this company and said okay there is a review and approval solution you can use to have an easy time and be creative yeah. And as ever, actually, I, a lot, Nicholas, of the CEOs, leaders I've interviewed on the podcast, they've started their businesses as uh, as um, problem solvers, as you know, solving a problem that that people have. And you 
you know, your solution at Fast Stage sounds just like that. I used to work in a, a marketing uh, agency myself and what you're describing there is something that we would experience on a regular basis. We'd lose so much time, you know, like you said, this email ping pong going backwards and forwards where we're just approving maybe a video or maybe a piece of, um, I don't know, a piece of audio content and it would be sort of passed from one person to another to another and eventually we'd get there in the end but it would take it would take a long time so it sounds like certainly uh, your business is uh, solving a problem a real problem and you've got some um, pretty distinguished clients there how, how did you I mean how did you uh, how did you go about your acquisition of your clients how did you go about just starting out and sort of introducing fast stage to your clients uh yeah i think it's obviously a long time ago that we we started the company but yeah at the beginning i mean honestly we haven't had any money just three founders really ambitious to to start stuff um to do things so for us there was was one core part of the the strategy is to really nail down the problem and i mean yes we worked in this industry we had our own own pain points we knew about them but then as a first step, before we build any beta version, before we, we coded anything, we, we went into interviews. Just like you today, basically, we interviewed around 30 people working in marketing and advertising and just asked them, okay, how do you work? Uh, how do you communicate with your clients? What is the biggest problem if you share your content with anybody? How do you receive feedback? Mm -hmm. And from that, basically, we learned and really understood 100% what the problem was. And then we build like the first version of our product, but the first version was just like mock-ups, prototypes, nothing, nothing hard-coded, so to say. And then we went into this feedback loop again and asked again for feedback and asked them, is this something that could solve your problem? And then they tried it out a bit and said, yeah, looks really cool. Can I, can I use it? And you say, okay, now I have something I can start. And then from there we build it. Um, I remember at the beginning, we went into all kind of Facebook groups and said, hey, we're a startup, we're new, this is our idea, and you can try it here for free, but I want your feedback, please give me your honest feedback. And of course, it was a lot of, yeah, you have to deal with a lot of negative stuff, of course, it's really like, uh, not easy sometimes at the beginning, but at the same time, it was super valuable. And some of the customers we won in the early days that gave us feedback at the beginning are still with us. So um, I think this is still one of the core drivers, it's like, yeah, speaking with people, getting their feedback and then embracing it and improving based on that. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think as well, it sounds like in the early days, lots of challenges that you had to face, not just uh, you know, getting the product right for your clients, but also through, like you said, sometimes the feedback can, can you know, if, you, if you're quite sensitive, can probably be quite uh you could take it quite personally but i'm sure you didn't were there any other particular challenges that you would say that not just in the early days but even recently that you've had to overcome mm, i think one one important one is to to become clear about your own role and i mean at the beginning yes you're a founder you go in and obviously my my main part was always like not the technical side of things but more like marketing sales uh, customer success more those things um, and I went in like, okay, there's a problem I want to solve this. There's the next problem. I need customers. So let's find customers. Then you need finance. Then let's get finance in. It's always problem oriented, right? 
and always really hands-on. But then if you hit a certain certain company size, you realize on the one side, you cannot do everything on your own, right? It doesn't make sense. This doesn't scale the company. Um, and at the same time, you feel like your role is shifting. So you have to become a CEO and not just being a founder anymore. Uh, and then you start to really question yourself, where am I good? What are my strings? What can I do really like to help this company to move forward when I'm not, let's say, in the fields anymore? If I don't do sales anymore, what can I do still to grow the company? Um, and this was a really, really interesting journey for myself. So you learn a lot about yourself, obviously also work with a coach alongside, but also other companies and founders helped me to really, really take step by step. And I think this is also a journey that doesn't stop, right? So if you scale a company, you will always have to have to change yourself. Yeah. And do you feel now that you've got the, the tools that you need in order to, to make those uh, when you talk about changing, changing yourself to make those different transitions and you can, you've got, I suppose, I guess you've got that self-awareness now, haven't you, that you can change as and when the company needs you to change, right? Yeah, I think that's, that's super important. So yeah, I think this, this is one of the things that definitely, I think I learned is to just adapt to new circumstances and switch roles. Um, but then also become more aware of right now I'm filling out this role but maybe in half a year I'm filling out another role. And while you're filling out the role, then to make sure, um, let's say prepare it that way that other people can also fill out the role for you later on. So thinking about a job description, thinking about writing down what you do there, thinking about how to coach somebody into this role. And let's say always go in, prepare something, then, then be ready to to, to share it with somebody else and, and take somebody else in, I think, yeah. Well, I think it's testament to to you, to your team, the company that you've built, you're 50 strong, is that right? You're across yeah, the globe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that is no mean feat, as they say, it's, it's, it's amazing what you're doing. And like you said, you're solving a, a, a real problem. And you've, it sounds like you've, uh, you know, you've, I've, I've been watching sort of some of the videos that you've posted online. You're the kind of person as well who, who takes feedback. I saw your pitch deck online as well. You, you know, you were, yeah, you were really. taking that feedback. So I, I like, I like your style definitely. So, you know, um, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit more about, about you and about how the business is shaping up as well as we go through this podcast today. Um, but right now I'm interested to know, uh, uh, Nicholas is, you know, there's, there's challenges within a business. You've talked about a few, a couple of the things that you've, some of the personal challenges, but from a business perspective, have you had any sort of setbacks yourself that you've had to uh, recover from in the time that uh, file uh, stage has been in business? Um, yeah, I think there are always, always situations where, uh, let's say for, or let, let's put it differently. I think for, for me, a startup journey is something that is, of course, kind of a roller coaster. So, and the longer you're in the game, let's say the less extreme it is, I guess. So at the beginning, it's like every day can change. Every day is like, oh, I want this client. Next day, oh, I have a finance problem. Okay, so it's up and down and up and down. Um, but also the long-term journey, at least for us, it was like always positive. Even if you have those ups and downs in between, it's always positive going up, up. Um, but I think 
specific challenges let's let's put like the financial financial part aside because i think financially at the beginning especially you're always under pressure to to make revenue to refinance what you do then later on you have a payroll with, with your people involved so you always make sure you have enough money there but one of the the things i think that was challenging or maybe that i did not well at the beginning was I, I thought like okay let's build a marketing department let's build a sales department let's build a customer success department and a support department and they all do their job but what i created there was basically silos <laughs> and uh i i think this is something many people have seen before right but at the beginning it's like yeah it needs to be like that and then over time i realized also by the feedback from from my employees basically that hey no we need to build one big team we need to all work on generating revenue all together we need to all make sure our customers get value from us as much as we can and we need to work together as a team and not like silos marketing delivers leads sales is uh, converting leads customer success is expanding lead no it doesn't work like that and that's that's definitely something i think where where i was not right at the beginning where yeah, i had to learn something yeah. And that's interesting because that's one of the things we're going to look at a little bit later on in terms of how you manage to overcome that and how you manage to break out of those silos or at least, uh, you know, change. And, you know, it's, it's good that you brought that up. And I think as well, it's, it, again, recognition of, because you've been around for quite a long time as well, it's recognition of how, you've, how you go about building uh, um, your business I'm aware there's lots of businesses that are, you know, that have gone into remote work or started as remote businesses, and they're still trying to fight against becoming a siloed business. It's, and it's not, I'm, I'm guessing, it's not an easy journey. So, looking forward to exploring that a bit more. But what I want to know now, as well, Nicholas, is if you weren't in your current role, what do you think you'd be doing instead? I think I would either build another company early stage i guess so it's it's it was fun basically to just be there and do everything and, and start things so either that another software company also if you if you run a software company constantly face new problems where you say like oh this is one i could could maybe solve and the other one i love marketing so potentially i could could also see myself working working in marketing uh, and really uh, go down that route, basically. And yeah, yeah, those are the two things. I like it. And um, another, I mean, we talk about problems. There's problems that, or challenges, should we say, that, that lots of remote workers at all levels face. One of those, one of the biggest challenges that I encounter in terms of the people I speak to is, is um, again, becoming, as an individual, siloed in a way. Um, and losing out on on learning, on development. I just wondered, how do you continue with your learning and how do you stay up to date with your own learning? Uh, I think a couple of things. So on the one, one side, it's, it's, it's really like books, um, newsletters, things like that. I think for me, it's, it's kind of obvious, right? Sometimes it just makes sense to read a book and get somebody that is really experienced is sharing stuff in a book and that, that helps. Um, what I lately do more and more, and I, I feel this is really bringing me forward, is to have a lot of uh, experience sharing with other SaaS founders. 
So on the one side, there are communities where we can really just share things, but then really take the time to to schedule an hour call with, with another SaaS founder or CMO of a SaaS company or so. Uh, and then share things with each other, ask specific questions. It's always like on the one side, for example, recently had a conversation with somebody that would, wanted to know how we build customer success. And I think we have done it in a really good way. Um, and then on the other side, they were crazy good about product-led growth. Uh, and so he shared a lot of insights with me. So I thought like, cool, this is something we have to try, this, this, and this, and that. So I really believe like in those, those personal conversations more and more and that really bring you forward and those people sharing insights with you. Yeah. Love it. And your business, I mean, is how well how would you describe it in your own words i mean i I've, there's what i notice again on, online and through my conversations is especially now there's lots of businesses talking about their culture how they work um from a perspective of being remote and when you sort of dig a bit deeper it, it's not necessarily what it seems um and i think there's lots of confusion actually online and just in job search and in hiring in general, in recruitment in general, uh, especially from the point of view of people who are searching for jobs and understanding how different companies work, when they read job adverts and seeing, oh, this company's saying they're hybrid, this other company's saying they're remote, what, this other company's saying they're, they're remote first. How would you describe uh, Farstage? 100% uh, remote company. And uh, to add something to this, I mean, we were remote since 2018 fully before it was a bit like hybrid or, or then locally. And we had one moment where we said, okay, uh, we were really trying to trying hard to find find developers in the area in Germany where we were located and we there were no developers. Uh, I reached out to 200 people on a network back then, and they all replied, but said, I'm happy with my job. I don't want one, uh, and so on and so forth. And then we decided to to put like an advertising online and say, hey, uh, you could basically work from everywhere. Uh, doesn't matter. And then within a week or so, we had 200 application, applications with really good quality. And we said, wow. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay, uh, let's try it out. And then we tried it out and thought like, hey, it's easier than we thought on one side and really have great people there. That was really cool. But then also over time, we, we started to learn uh, there's more to it. You need to operate completely differently. You can't really, you know, rely on personal conversations, having a coffee together and then share information. No, no, no. You need like guides and documentation and processes for everything. Um, and that's something we, we, we experienced, I think, in, in 2018. And then from, from there onwards, we really invested into this uh, remote um, or getting remote ready, so to say. Um, yeah. And then going this journey. And again, sounds great. I think it reflects, again, a lot of some of the other great remote businesses out there. Um, Again, solving problem of not being able to to find um, who you're looking for on a local basis. So exploring beyond those boundaries. What uh, can you just give us a, an idea of the, the different countries, the different continents that your your team is based in? Uh, I I think we are in twenty something countries. Wow, I haven't haven't counted it. <laughs> 
uh, for a long time, but definitely something like that. So it's also a bit like structured in a way, like most of our customers are in North America or in Europe. So let's say marketing sales, CS customer support is, is mostly in Europe and in North America. Uh, and then the developer base is mostly in Asia and Europe. So uh, what we try to make sure is also that time zone wise, there's a lot of overlap. So I think there's a difference between being remote and being an asynchronous company. And I think it's really important to have time overlap enough to have personal conversations still like via video calls. And so we try to make sure at least like time zone wise it works. So for example, we don't have developers in, in North America or South America. Yeah. Is, do you have a like, uh, you know, like people like GitLab, for example, they're 100% async. Are, are you, do you have sort of a, a balance of async to sort of sync or is it, you know, as, as and when? Um, so our policy right now is to have four hours or more of overlap with your team. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's what what we need, and I think makes sense. So we can always have enough time to have meetings, and the rest is pretty flexible. But of course, um, let's say if you if you say I I'm a night owl and like to work like late hours, and you can guarantee us that you always are have this four hours, and you start late, that's also fine, right? Um, so whatever works best for you. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And like you said, you've got different, um, different departments spread over different continents. Um, and earlier on, you were talking about avoiding those silos and, and making sure that the team is built in the right way. How, I mean, this is quite a broad question and I, and I probably don't have time to go into it in depth, but how did, you, how did you build the company in such a way that to avoid those silos? Uh, oh, <laughs> I think this is <laughs> this is a magic question, why? Right? Yeah. right. So I think um, there's several aspects. It, it starts on the one side, looking into payment. So I mean, you can with with payment incentives, you can trigger people to really work siloed, or the other way around. So you can say there's a team bonus, or there's an individual bonus, or there's a marketing sales and revenue uh, altogether bonus. Will change things that's that's let's say the hard-coded side of things and then on the other side i think there are cultural aspects and for me this means like having events together online or retreats where you really get to know the other people um having regular i think this is also quite cliche but let's say donut calls where you just match people randomly within the company to really become more friends and not talk about work share things um and work on projects cross and have like cross-functional. So for example, we just have a new growth initiative where we say, okay, we work on product-led growth and there are people from all the departments or teams together. Uh, and having those things uh, really makes sense uh, from my perspective. It's, it's basically getting to know each other, working with each other and understanding that great people are everywhere and your department is not just a silo with, with no other contacts, right? Yeah. Well, it's certainly working, and mm. it's it seems like uh, things right now with you are, are well. And are you are you intending to grow in the future? Are you what what your what your ideas there? Um, yeah, definitely. So the next step for us next year is to to go for a Series B round. Um, that's uh, on the one side, on the financial side of things again, and. 
on the other side, there are so many things where we think as a company we can still do with our product. So, I mean, we started as a, in a nutshell, 2015 was a tool to comment videos, right? And today it's a, a complete workflow solution where you can share, review and approve any kind of content you have and then build your custom workflows and automate everything the way you want. You can integrate it into Slack, Teams, Asana, whatever you use. And from there, the next step for us is like really to, to invest into things like AI-driven reviews so that an artificial intelligence really will do parts of the reviewing job for you um, and more into this direction. I mean, I don't want to bore you here with too many details, but I think this is, this is where we want to grow, grow the product. And with that, also the teams around it. Um, of course, our, our growth is driven by the product, but the teams behind it make it and break it. And so we also want to keep investing into basically all kind, all kind of departments, cross-functional teams. There, yeah. Definitely not boring. It's, it's definitely not boring <laughs> in the sense that, you know, I think not just people who are looking for jobs, but other founders, people in just the, the general community, it's, it's always good to hear the, the success and the, the growth stories because far too often online you just hear about you know, there's, there's lots of information online which is perhaps converse to that. So it's really good to hear that. And it's, you know, it's, it's inspiring, in fact, because you, like you said, you start, started off um, as video commenting and you've grown into such a, um, a, in a, such a big way and you have the ambitions, you have the vision. So it's, it's, it's great to, to hear that and great to see that, Nicholas. Thanks, yeah. Sorry, yeah. And I think that's, that's also just one thought that came up as well as like, what I said at the beginning, talking to our customers early on uh, really helped us to make this journey. And, and today it's still like for every new new feature we have before feature requests coming from our customers. And then we go into conversations with them and discuss the stuff and really understand why do you want to have this feature? What's the underlying problem you want to solve? And then we come again like back with mockups and say, this is how we would solve it for you. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is, I think, the way forward. And uh, let's say it doesn't matter for me if we are remote or not remote, but having this, this close contact to customers and really, really aligning with what they want and involving them into the, the development process is, is what really makes, makes Fisage, I think, yeah. yeah. And it sounds, I, I interviewed um, Nick Francis from uh, Help Scout a little while ago. It sounds you have this very similar sort of... Uh, approach very similar mindset he started from a, a point of view of solving a, a big problem but being very close to the customers and being very close to you know understanding literally the minute details of how the problem um sort of evolves and how to solve it so i love that i love this story but uh, talk about other remote companies um but just companies in general um were there any particular uh, teams organizations who inspired you to be who you are now or did it all just happen organically? Um, I had, I think I, I would have to lie if I say there's one organization where I feel like this, this really shaped how we are. I, I remember early on, I really liked Buffer and how, how they share things. And there were a couple um, couple of companies, basically they were pretty transparent about their, their story and everything. And that was really good. 
Um, and then also through, of course, books and sometimes also connections, I, I learned about, I mean, company culture at, at Netflix early on and things like that. Is they have a really sometimes maybe cruel company culture even, uh, but uh, in another way, very, very, very inspiring as well because they, for example, I, what I learned is, I mean, on the one side, you can be really good on the job, but if you are, let's say, not that positive and bring positive energy into the teams and dragging them down, you will not be a part of Netflix. Um, and, and that's something, I, I mean, they have a book about it and it was, was kind of inspiring that it's not just like what you deliver on the table, but also what you do like to the company culture um, positively. And I think that that was a really good one. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of Tesla and, and what we hear about Twitter and this kind of, of culture, but yeah, everybody can decide for, for themselves, I think. <laughs> and do you think it's, it's culture that, that makes for a successful or yeah, well, what do you, th let me not put words into your mouth or lead you in any way, but what, what do you make, think makes for a successful, uh, successful team? Uh, I think there are a couple of aspects. So on the one side, it, it's definitely like trust. So you need to, you need to trust each other to do a good job. And that's the other thing I try to bring and have in our organization. You should always assume your colleagues have the best intention when they do something. And this is strongly connected to trust. So if this is not right, then you have an issue. But of course, with a new team or new people joining, the trust will not be there on day one in terms of you also need to build trust and earn trust. And, and the question is always, how do you get there? Um, and for us on one side, it's company culture. So we we are a feedback company. Of course, we support our customers in, in the feedback process, but we also internally say that's a different game. We make sure we give and receive valuable feedback and that's sometimes a bit tough but on the other side it's like a good way to learn if you know the other person has good intentions and it's not giving you feedback to push you down or something right um then asking a lot of questions about the context and sharing context i think is key so um this really really helps everybody in the team to see the bigger picture and then take take decisions that are really smart. So if you don't have the context, how can you take or make smart decisions? Doesn't work. Um, and last but not least, I think it's it's all about ownership and responsibility. So give people the freedom to live their role and really take their ownership and build something, right? So um, yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. I think. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think that kind of points to the the um, I suppose to the converse to that is, I guess. Uh, a declining culture, you know, people perhaps not working together and disharmony, all those kind of things, because that's one of the things I was going to ask you next is what are the sort of behaviors you, you can, um, that what sort of behaviors can improve a culture of a team? And I think you've just really kind of nailed it. And I think at the heart of it is, like you said, trust, especially with remote teams, but not, not exclusively to remote teams, but especially with remote teams is having that trust the communication, all that stuff that you, you know, you're alluding to as well, is is really what makes for a good culture. And sounds like it's been 
it's been the, I suppose, would it be fair to say it's been the, the bedrock that you've used to actually build your company, that, that, that trust? Definitely. So I think it's, uh, again, like I think also in a remote company, I mean, there's no physical presence and everything. So you somehow from the day one, when you hire somebody, you already trust this person to do a good job. And then over a couple of weeks, you will, I mean, you will not be there to control their work in a way. Maybe you do it in an office. I mean, what, what work matters. So it's more about output and things like that. But of course, it comes more with like, hey, I don't interfere with what you do all day long. <laughs> I, I let you do your job. So there's a lot of trust involved. But at the same time, mm, there comes a lot of responsibility uh, in terms of, it's just a lot more complicated in a remote company to build trust with each other. Um, so that means that everybody needs to share maybe more information, needs to share productively status updates. Um, so things like that, that help others to understand there's a progress, there are positive things going on. Um, and sometimes this, uh, yeah, takes just more time. It maybe it's just maybe sometimes even annoying where you feel like, hey, why can't I just write this? No, you think you need to think a lot more about communication in a remote team. Um, but then on the other side, of course, we all know about the other facts. You save a lot of time commuting with unnecessary stuff and so on. So, uh, yeah, I think there's always a pro and a con, right? Definitely. Uh, yeah. And as, again, as we come to draw towards the end, but I, I just wanted mm -hmm. to really uh, touch upon the go into that a bit further because obviously you're an expert when it comes to getting all that feedback for to grow file stage to develop file stage to to know what to do next to understand where the where the business is going etc but what again one of the challenges of not just the newly remote companies but the established remote companies is understanding the people within the business the employees within the business listening to them without like you said, being intrusive or making them feel as though they're, you know, doing something wrong. How how do you listen to your to your people within your your team? Yeah, over time we develop multiple multiple strategies. I think again it also comes with with trust. So if you have a certain level where you show also your own weaknesses and maybe your own personality to people, they will be more open to share theirs and then share honest opinion and feedback and that will help you to to improve what you do but um i think if you don't have that level people will hold back and i think this is one way and then of course there's different things you can do to 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 encourage them to to share right um so i mean on the one side we have just multiple channels so there's like the open channel you can just go to your manager in a one-on-one -on -one and share things um, but there's also um, a feedback tool, basically, where every two weeks you get like an anonymous survey and can just basically uh, share feedback and you will be asked multiple questions, they change. And that's something where you can then decide if I want to, if you want to share it publicly with your manager or not. Those are things. Um, and then our people, people manager, or the, basically the two people working in the people and culture part of Fistage, really spend a lot of time in trying to to get feedback from people and have trust with them and that's that's a core part so that everybody can really speak up um, at any time 
And yeah, saying that's something positive, even if, you know, like you go to me and say, Niklas, I don't like what you have done here last week because blah, blah, blah. Uh, of course, it's like, oh, feedback, rough. But at the same time, I say it's nice. Thank you for being that transparent with me. I know as a CEO, I don't get open feedback quite often. So thank you. And yeah, again, I think all comes back to trust and then having the right channels for people to open up, I think. Well, you know what? I, the more I speak to you, the more I hear about FastAge, I'm pretty sure FastAge is going to be one to watch or to continue to watch for the future. It sounds like the business is grounded in good, you know, it has a good grounding, a good base to, to really grow, to really develop in the future. So I'm definitely going to be keeping a lookout You've been working hard on the business over the years. You've got plans for growth. What I finally what I want to know from you, Nicholas, though, is about yours and just a bit more about yourself. When you're not working, I know you're a father like me, but when you're not working, what do you like to do? Being interviewed in podcasts is one of my <laughs> big things. <laughs> no, just kidding, but um, I enjoy it. But... Uh, I think it's it's mainly spending time with my my family. So I have a young young daughter. She's just two years old. So that's something I really enjoy. And then normal stuff, I would say. I play badminton a lot. Uh, we go out in into the mountains for a hike uh, if the weather's fine. So that's pretty much me. <laughs> Sounds good. And I mean, like you, I think it's funny. I I'm not always worked remotely, but. Since I started to work remotely, I've done a lot more in terms of family stuff. I've done a lot more in terms of um, well-being, so my physical well-being, the walking side of things. So it's kind of, you know, right there, the, one of the benefits of, of working remotely. Yeah, the one doesn't work without the other, I think. So I'm really aware of that I need to be active and not just stay in front of my computer all day long, right? So, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. It can be easy to do that. It can definitely be easy. But yeah. Nicholas, it's been great to, to meet you. It's been great to hear about FastAge. We keep, we'll be keeping in touch with you to find out how FastAge is doing, keeping an eye on what FastAge is doing. And yeah, we're looking forward to hearing more about you, about FastAge in the future. Thanks a lot for having me and great questions. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for today's episode of the Remote Work Life podcast. Click the link in the show notes below to access a free list of 100 remote businesses that hire regularly. And if you're feeling stuck or uncertain on issues of career or personal development, head on over to www.remoteworklife.io where you can watch exclusive on-demand video featuring real-world remote work leaders and future of work experts on key remote work topics, including how to get clarity on your career direction, how to thrive while working remotely, how to network effectively and stay connected, and how to tend to your personal and career development needs. Go to remoteworklife.io now, and remember to connect with me, your host, Alex Wilson-Campbell, on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook.